Hello and welcome to our Living Word Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning experience. If you're ready to hear the word this morning, say I'm ready. Go ahead, you may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm not sure if you can notice it, but we love to worship around here. <laughs> Please come join us tonight as part of our, one of our church uh, purposes, uh, directions, putting our feet as we preach, right, and we talk. Uh, tonight, joining us for prayer, we've set this as a new mark in our church, understanding that uh, every moment, every opportunity that we position ourselves in a place to ask God to do something, that he hears the prayers of the righteous, amen? And so tonight, it may be your personal prayer request, it may be a prayer request, it may be something that you have personally, it may be just you asking God, hey, Lord, I just want to pray for the impact that this church can have in this region, do me a favor, come join me for an hour tonight, amen? Amen. Well, welcome today. If it is your first time here, or maybe you're watching online this morning, I just want you to know if you're watching online, you're missing out, the community's here, come on and be with us if you're on TV. If you're too far, thanks for watching, but for those of you here just ready and excited. How many of you are excited about what God wants to do in your life? Last week, I shared a, a message, and I'm going to tune into part two today, titled Authorized by Him for His Purpose. And part of that was just this basic understanding of what the role of the Holy Spirit is in your life, what it means to have authority, walk in authority, live by authority, and just watch God lead you in authority in Jesus' name. There are so many passages in scriptures, and even as we worship this morning, I kind of leaned over, and I, and I, I was saying to Mariana, I said, do you understand we're going to change the world? And he kind of looked at me, and he just smiled, right? And I, and, and I need you to grab this with me, because I don't know if you believe you're a history maker out there. I don't, I don't know if you get it yet. I didn't sign up to lose. I could tell who doesn't compete out there too much. <laughs> it's okay. They can get a trophy too. Like, mm, listen, when it comes to eternity, I'm just saying there's winners and losers, and we need to talk about that. Come on now, somebody. I'm signing up to be with Jesus. And what that means is that when I sign up to be with Jesus, all things according to the will of God come with that assignment. It comes with his team with those around him and with him and the resources that come with heaven. And I don't know about you, but once again, I just want to remind you that, that I signed up to be with Jesus. I don't know where you're at. Somebody give God a praise this morning. As we spoke last week, we talked briefly about baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Acts 19 puts it this way. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. One theme you're going to find in a certain part of this message with me today is that I need to encourage you to make sure that God is the first person you talk to each day. Oh, Pastor Nick, that sounds a little ritualistic to me. Why do I got to be, why does it got to be him first? Like, my wife says hello to me. <laughs> like, no, I get it. <laughs> it needs to be him first, and here's why. What I'm talking about is 
Many times in scripture, and we're going to get to it in, in, in a few moments in the relationship that Peter and Paul had at first. And I want to talk to you this morning because it's important. There is this portion of Christ in who we are as people that we consistently try to find our validation in the opinions and the thoughts of other people. Oh, but, but Pastor, that's my mom. That's my, that's my cousin. That's my best friend. Like Their opinion matters to me, and it should. But it shouldn't matter to you more than that which God spoke to you. And this is, this is what I need you to walk out this morning because if we're going to talk about authority, the authority is Jesus Christ, right? The Godhead, right? The Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to start somewhere, if you want to know where you're going to eventually stop as you go up the ask chain, that's right there with God. And we need to begin to talk and think and move like this because if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to be world changers, we got to understand a little bit that we're going to encounter things other and things that oppose God. But scripture says it so clearly. On the contrary, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It doesn't say push. It doesn't say move over. It just says flat out demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension, right? That means any trap, anything that's coming before what you're supposed to be doing in Christ is now demolished in Jesus' name. You got to track with me this morning. It's important because we're going somewhere. We've got a destination, and that's revival. I need you to hear me say that, right? Revival is God showing up in an unnatural way, in a supernatural way, when miracles begin to happen because God's people made space for him. You can't talk about God and dismiss the nature of God. You can't invite God in and expect things not to get all messed up. You see, when you make space and you begin to create this room for God in your life and the Holy Spirit to work, miracles happen because that's his nature. Now, for some of you, those miracles don't need to be too complicated. They've been the prayers for decades that you've been praying. Things over your family, your children, your, your, your brothers and sisters, the things that you've struggled with, the things that you've seen other people struggle with. I don't think you realize that you hold the power inside of you to demolish that which has stood in the way of other people in your family reaching their destiny in Christ. Some of you, you don't, you don't see yourself like that. You don't, you don't see that you've been set up by God to change history. You, you, you kind of just say, you know, I, yes, Pastor Nick, I love God. I, I'm all about Jesus. I love to sing. He makes me feel better. No, listen to me. Your faith is not your own. You've been bought with a price. And that means that there are those he's called you to, and some of you've got to get up out of your seat and start doing something about it. I mean this. We're going to make space this Easter. We're going to go to two services on Easter Sunday, okay? And we're going to have a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. service for that Sunday because last year we had over 350 people stuffed in this room somehow. I don't even, there must have been some Holy Spirit chairs somewhere. I don't even know. <laughs> but I'm telling you this. I cannot, we cannot, they cannot, this church cannot exist with 20 people raising their hand to help. Come on now. Can I go there for a minute? I'm going to ask you again. Can I go there for a minute? In order to reach people, we need people. Church is not a building. The Holy Spirit says very clearly in Scripture that our bodies are a what? A temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that what we have in common is Him. We gather with Him, for Him, about Him, 
to talk about him and experience him. Let me just encourage you. When you hide and you just sit back and you're just like, no, Pastor Nick, I just enjoy the worship. I enjoy the sermon. I really don't want to get plugged in. I, not yet. I'm not ready. Listen to me. I promise you, you're never going to feel ready. There are so many of you out there that feel so unqualified. You feel like you've got to reach this marker. You've got to get to this destination. You've got to arrive somewhere and you've got to have these degrees and, and you've got to have all these certifications and you've got to have all these things. Now, now listen to me. You, you're sitting in this place and I just need you to understand that the qualification for ministry is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I have a beautiful piece of paper that I paid about $120,000 for on my wall. <clears throat> it doesn't say in the Bible that when you spend 120000 you are God's chosen speaker. Come on now. What the Bible says is that those who are called are anointed. Those who are anointed must go. Those who go will do. Those who do will see miracles. You see, people think the church is built on the pastor and his wife and a few other people called pastors and bishops and apostles and teachers and leaders. And the church is built on the Holy Spirit. And when we gather together in his name, for his name, by his name, then miracles happen. You want to see people change and have their families changed? You change. Because the church they see is you. Come on. I think we lose that sometimes, right? We walk around this world and, and, and we, we don't realize the people that we've impacted or failed to impact because we forgot that we carry this, this big sign on us that just says, I love Jesus. You see, we've got to make sure we are who we represent. And so if we're going to talk like Jesus and we're going to claim that Jesus is our Savior and our King and, and he's our everything and he's, he's who it is and, and he's all about it, then we've got to go ahead and not be afraid to bring that to the world. I say that to you because I think it's the most honest thing I can say to you. I have pastors and preachers, and I've had the opportunities of building multiple youth ministries in this state and in the state of Florida as well. And as we built those ministries together in Jesus' name, people would ask me, what's the secret, Pastor Nick? How, how do we get from, from five kids to 100 kids? Or how do you go from this? I was like, the secret? You think there's a secret? There's no book in the Bible called secret. There's two things that happen. And that's that people encounter God and they invite other people to encounter God with them. The genuineness, the genuineness of the gospel is what this world is searching for. Please do me a favor and commit to bringing that to the world. And the reason why I take a little aside and I start to share that with you is because I really do think there's some of you and many of you out there who are in a place where you feel like, one, your childhood, your middle ages disqualified you from doing ministry. Or you think that because certain things have happened or, or you think that when you look at somebody else, you're like, well, they've been in church all these years. They, <coughs> excuse me. They just, you know, they, they let them do it first. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's not how the kingdom of God works. The way the kingdom of God works is this idea that we heard in the, in the Old Testament shouted clearly when, he, when the prophet said, he said, here I am, Lord, send me. You see, and I just want you to put that, and I want to put that in front of you because we've got seven Sundays, including today. Seven Sundays, including today before Easter. And I want you to know that you have and remind you that as we talk about God's authority, as we talk about the Holy Spirit and giftings, that the greatest gift you have is right here in your heart. Start sharing it in Jesus' name. Amen? 
The gift says, as explained and as I went through it last week, different gifts, different purposes, same God. Galatians 1, if you'll turn with me today, Galatians 1, verse 11. It'll be up here on the screen in case you don't have your word with you. It says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel is preached not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Wish I would have read that before the 120,000, huh? Gee, Louise. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again because it needs to sink in as Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. We begin... And as we walk, we make this terrible mistake in wanting to have an opinion, in wanting to shape philosophy and theology as we begin to talk to people as if we actually wrote this stuff. And it's a very dangerous place for many preachers because they, they, they want you, you know, I want to keep your attention and I, I do want you to listen and I want you to, to hear what, what I have to say about God this morning, right? But, but, uh, but I, I, I got to tell you, I can't water this thing down so much you don't even know who I'm talking about. It's too dangerous. Because if I do, then I'm talking about a different person. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm just talking about another man who loved you a certain way, and I promise you we need to talk about Jesus. Galatians 1.13, let's keep going this morning. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. This is Paul's explanation of his validation, how he found it. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me, come on now, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being, somebody say human, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Listen to me. As I talk about this, I want to create a balance for you because I cannot dismiss one portion of this conversation. I'm not saying to you, you should not seek wisdom in counsel because the scripture also says that. Amen. I'm not saying you shouldn't talk with people and pray with people and seek wisdom and have mentors who are pouring into you, right? But what I am saying to you is this, that when the things God continuously puts in your heart, right, you bring to people and they continuously rip out, you have to make a decision on who's right and who's wrong. The things of God become so clear and the struggle inside of us discerning God's will for our life comes in the balance of us asking God-fearing people, hey, I believe I've been hearing this from God. Should I do this? And now I want you to begin to fight with that in your head because I get asked that a lot. But Pastor Nick, I really feel like I'm supposed to do this. I really feel like I'm supposed to. Okay, well then follow what Scripture says and walk this out with God. 
Seek counsel. And as you walk, as you move, as you breathe, find that. And so please hear me today. I'm not saying you don't need people around you. I'm not saying it's just, but I am saying to you this. If you were stranded on an island alone by yourself, God is enough. Now, as we walk this out, church, there is a determination for you to find Jesus in an intimate way. And, and hear me because I want to walk this with you because I feel it's just so easy when you look to the left and the right and you, you have a friend, maybe a spouse or whoever's by you this morning, right? It's easy to have physical relationship, to say hi, to give a hug, to go out to eat, to talk. And sometimes we become so reliant on these physical relationships, God becomes like the rubber stamp on what we do. Come on now. It's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I talk to my mom, I talk to my dad, I talk to my sisters, I talk to my other family, I talk to them, and they all said the same thing. And when I went to God, I think he, yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, he said, yeah. It's just backwards. It's, God, you put this on my heart. Is this the right thing to do? Seek me and find me. You will know them as my disciples by the fruit they produce. You see, there's all this scripture, and, and if you realize in here, this is what Paul, he begins to say this, right? He, he quotes scripture in telling people how he found his validation in Christ. He said, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. What was my response, he said? It was not to consult any human being. Why? Because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this physical transformation that happened, this blinding that happened on the road to Damascus, that, that all this, 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 this motion and happening. Listen, I, I love you all, but I'll be back. God called me to do this. I'll see you in a few. You see, some of you, you need to grow that relationship with God. You don't have it that deep. Your relationship is dependent on the opinions of others in your faith. And for some of you, I got to be honest, it's dangerous. Because for some of you, you don't have the people around you like maybe some other people in this room do. I am blessed with a great family. I'm blessed with great mentors. I am blessed that when I make a phone call, they tell me I am crazy. I'm being honest. But I understand that as everyone grows in their faith, they may not have all those people with them and around them. The good old saying, sometimes we just need to sleep on it. Come on. There are things that God wants to speak to us. And I'm going to begin to just bring this out for us as we get in and to in this Easter season, this understanding that inside of you, God is creating a history maker. And for some of you, you would give everything to see your family changed. You would give everything to see one person you know so intimately that you've been praying for just come to know God like you, can, like you do even partially. Lord, just that they may know you in, in a peace in Jesus' name. Let's keep reading this morning. Galatians 2, 11. I want to challenge you, and I don't know where some of you are at in your walk. I don't know whether some of you in here, I know many of you have been in church for a long time. Some of you are new to, new to church or new to the faith and new to believing in Jesus. But I, I want you to hear this conversation, and I want you to read it this week because it's important too. In Galatians 2, you can turn there with me, and starting in verse 11. But this conversation is Peter and Paul. Peter, one of the disciples, firsthand experiences with God, all these miracles he's seen, all the stuff he watched. God. I mean, we're talking like, how many of you know the game of telephone, right? When you say, like, Jesus is cool, and by the end of it, it's like, school is great. You're like, what? This man had firsthand experiences with God. 
Peter was the crazy man running around the world killing Christians, literally. And now Peter, Paul, excuse me, I'm sorry, Peter, Paul, thank you. (laughs) Peter, Paul, Paul, Peter, Peter, Paul, just keep mixing them up. You get it, though. So Paul running around, see, that's a good, you you know, y'all surrounded some young believers. They're like, Peter was crazy. He was killing Christians, and our pastor told me that. Imagine that one. Come to my church. They're like, "Mm." that guy, that degree really worked. (laughs) So Paul had a problem with Peter. And as I'm going to read to you between verses 11 and 21, you're going to begin to hear this struggle. But I really think, well, let me read it to you first before I give you my opinion, because the Bible matters more than my opinion. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. We don't have one of those, by the way. Don't be weirded out. The other Jews joined him in his his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, Even Barnabas was led astray. Y'all hear that part? Because of a person who has seen, experienced, loved God, what happened? Somebody was led astray. That's real talk right there. I'll read it again because I think still about six out of ten of you got this. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself, this being Peter from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. This is is a man preaching to a very well-versed Christian man of the day. He's heard this sermon before. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because the works of the law, no one will be justified. This is basically saying, for any of you who haven't read through this or understand the difference in the law and what Jesus came to do, he's basically saying this. Listen, if rules could give you eternity and salvation in Christ, then then Jesus didn't need to die. If you could just follow a bunch of rules and earn your way to heaven, then boom, we're good. Jesus didn't need to come to do what he did. But what he's getting in Peter's face about is he's saying, listen, you're going back to where we were 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. You you ain't telling these people the truth. You're making them follow rules that you don't even follow. And what happened? Somebody, we lost. Look, look, there goes Barnabas. Gone. We've been there. Come on, church people. We've been there. How many families you wish you could get back in contact with throughout your, your years? Verse 17, but if seeking in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. 
doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Question mark. Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For though the law, I, though the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through law, then Christ died for nothing. Two people I want to speak to in this room. I've said this in many different places, in many different periods. What you, those of you like me who grew up in church, you've been presented with the gospel at a young age, right? What we don't realize is very often the people we were once leading are now leading us. And this is a reality check for some of us. Not that, we're, not that by age, because the Bible tells us, right? Wisdom comes not by age, but from the Holy Spirit. But there is a kick in the butt that I want to provide this morning in some of us to understand the reason why we're kind of like, oh, well, look at them. They're all grown up and doing Jesus things, and I'm still over here. Come on now. I want you to understand that the mandate of growth was a constant in our lives together in our faith. It's not this option and opportunity that because we're now 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70, and as we continue to get older, oh, I'm good now. This faith is for the young now. Go ahead, young people. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. This faith is for all, that all may seek him to know him for all the days of their lives and that we do it together. I warn you and I want to tell you, listen to me, if it's you today, if you're looking around and you feel like, man, man, this, I just feel like some of the people I've led are are now leading me. Do me a favor. Humble yourself. It's okay. Start walking with them. Start going somewhere with them. Get somewhere with them because they found what you knew. They found where you had been, and they want to go further than even all of us have been together. And I think that's the part of Jesus that we miss in our walk with Christ, is this basic understanding that if wisdom comes by the Holy Spirit, then the wise will grow if they remain in his spirit. So you could be 12, you could be 15, you could be 40, 60, whatever. Your definition of wisdom is only going to be qualified by the presence of God in your life. That is why we're seeing so much change in our nation. But I want you to see this because I think as we, as we grab hold of this, Ephesians 3 says it this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in, in us, within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. For us today, I say it to you as we get into this season And in just a few moments, we're going to take communion this morning. And I want to ask all those who are going to be serving communion to go ahead in the back to prepare. And worship team, if you'd come join me. When I share a sermon like this, what I want you to hear from me is that I can mention to you that we want to make and build history makers here at Living Word Church. Come on. I can say it to you, and and I know you're going to go, hey, man, hey, man, I'm ready, I'm ready. No, no, but listen, let's prepare like we want to change history. Let's get in that place of prayer. Let's get in that part where we start to get humbled and realize, you know what, man? I haven't made any adjustments in a few years. I haven't asked God to step out uh, to challenge me in faith like when I first found him. You see, Paul was looking at Peter. He's saying, man, man, listen, you lost your way. Let me just help you. Come back over here. Come here. This is what we were. You remember when we were eating with those who didn't know God? 
You remember why they came to know Jesus? Because of the Jesus inside of us. So don't start making your life like, like, like all these ritualistic things and all these other ways. No, no, no. That's not how people found him. They will find him by him in Jesus' name. And that's why Jesus said it in Matthew 28. He just made it so clear. He said, I'm commissioning you. I'm telling you that as I go to heaven, I am begging you this day that, your, that you would understand your calling, your mission in life to go to all the world and tell people about him. That you would truly tell the world about Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you, it's just a matter of getting up out of your seat and saying, you know what? I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Let's make a difference today. Whatever we need. Whether it's going out and telling somebody at work or whether it's being a smiling face at the front door over the next few weeks and going forward. You see, I believe that we can change it, but I know that the only way change happens is when people get so sick and tired of God being misrepresented that, that they ask God to show up. Come on now. See, that's when revival starts to spark. There's this hunger inside of you that just kind of takes precedent over even selfishness and thought. But I'll read this to you, Ephesians 3. And for those of you serving communion, you can come on in as we get ready to take communion this morning. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want you to leave here today, and I wrote it down this way. I want you to believe this following statement. The work being done in me will change history for generations to come. The work being done in me will change generations to come. As we jump into communion together, communion is a moment for us to reflect, for a moment for us to stop and to remind ourselves that every time we open and we pull the seat out and we sit down at the table of God, we get to commune with him, to thank him, to meet with him. But there's a part of this that I want you to go deeper and, and start to understand. It's with him that you realize your greatest potentials. When you start to see it like he sees it, when, when he gets to point you to where he, he wants you to go, it's a special place and I want you to find that today. And for some of you, you're there. Listen to me. Miracles are happening. Keep doing what you're doing. For those of you that are almost there, take that next step that you need to and find that personal relationship with Jesus the, the way that you see and the way that you hear. But I want it to resolve in you, and I want you to even write this down or, or, or take it where you need to, but because I feel like it's a goal and it's something that's tangible for us to measure, and it's this understanding that the work being done in me will change history for generations to come. Now, I know many of you are going to leave here and you don't necessarily believe that. But my prayer in Jesus' name this morning is that your eyes would be opened to your potential in Christ. For those of you this morning who are grabbing hold of that, do me a favor. Keep joining hands with people as we change history in Jesus' name. Amen. You received that this morning. Amen. Would you mind standing with me as we pass out communion this morning? We're going to pass out the elements, and then in a short time, I'll come back up after we worship for a brief moment here, and we'll pray together and receive the elements. Lord, I just pray as we pass out these elements, we thank you this morning for your word. 
We thank you that by the presence and authority and power of the Holy Spirit that you're here with us. Lord, we come to your table to commune with you. Lord, thank you that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior for eternity. And so God, today we partake in communion as an act of worship, as an act of love, an act of thanksgiving to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's message here at Living Word Church. Uh, If you're looking for a community, looking for a home church, we want to challenge you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1045 here in Union, New Jersey. We pray you have a blessed day in Jesus' name.